0: James was widowed twice before he was 48. He first started writing about his loss and grief in 1997, but it was the death of his second husband in 2014 that prompted him to finally tell his story in Life After Losses, a memoir of love, loss, and life. What started as a cathartic experience toward healing has evolved into a passion to help others heal from their loss and to encourage an individual approach to grief recovery. He plans to follow up his self-help memoir with a second book entitled Stories and Strategies to Help You Heal, due later in 2021. He can be reached at lifeafterlosses.com or jameslaveck.com. That's james, dot com.
1: Hi again, everyone, and welcome back to As I Live and Grieve. First, let me do the disclaimer and the apology. I am getting over, I like to think, a common cold, not COVID, just a common cold. But my voice is not quite as, oh, gee, elegant. I can say it, right? (laughs) It's not as good as it usually is. So please forgive that. It certainly is not going to take away from the content of our podcast. And we are really excited today to have our guest and i'm going to let him introduce himself and tell him tell you a little bit about himself and his background go ahead james
2: uh, well thank you for having me i appreciate it um my name is james Levesque. i uh, am an author of the book called life after losses it's a memoir of my life uh, uh about being widowed twice um before i was 48 and uh how i managed to get through Not only the first one, which was, was devastating, but taking those lessons I learned from the first one and applying that to the second one so that I had just a little bit of control over how I could grieve. Um, and I knew then what worked and what didn't work and the things I probably shouldn't have done the first time around.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Grief is different. We have said many times it's, it's unique for every single person. And in my own personal experience, Grief has been different for me with every person that I have lost in my life, whether it has been an infant child within 24 hours of birth or the more recent loss of my husband, which is almost four years ago now. And well, it's Veterans Day. So this morning I was sobbing. So grief doesn't leave you. It it stays with you and it's different for everyone. Now, did you find, James, that it was different for each husband
2: that you lost? I, th- yeah, I think it was because they were both I- individuals and, and I, you know, coming back to that, like grief is a companion thing. I used to think of it as like an overwhelming shadow that was just, uh, you know, over me. And then I, I finally got to, to change my mindset a little bit to make it more of a, a shadow like the one on Peter Pan where it's just a companion. It's always going to be there. It's there with me. And I have learned to live with it. But yes, each one was different. I mean, the first one I was, I was 28 years old um, and that was the first major loss in my life.
1: That's very young.
2: It was. And we were together for seven years and I just had no idea how to, how to do this. I'd never been taught to grieve because that was the first loss. So that one was, was really devastating. Um, and, and really knocked me down for, for a couple of years. Um, uh, right. but again, by the time the second one came around, it was 20 some odd years later. And I had, I had that prior experience that I could draw on. But then I also had two kids. So I couldn't right. do some of the, some of the stupid things I did the first time around.
1: So having the kids around may have prevented you from repeating some stupid things. Is that what I'm hearing?
2: Uh, having kids around prevented me from, Probably um, yes, absolutely. Well, the the first time I spent probably about two years drinking myself to to sleep. Um, uh-huh. I, I'll be honest, it was passing out it, it, because I couldn't find a, 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 an appropriate outlet for that grief. Right. And so I, right, I wanted to feel nothing, so I drank to feel nothing. I couldn't do that with, with two preteens. Right, and and it was my responsibility to to make sure that they understood how. A healthy grieving can look right and that it's okay to cry and hate and and be angry right at, at everybody including me because i didn't know how to go back to school shopping for example i just was was not the stay-at-home parent so i didn't have these skills that right. that the other one did and um so it was it was uh very different circumstances in terms of the deaths and and the the grieving process, but there were still so many similarities in the emotions and how that the triggers, you know, you mentioned right. Day being a trigger for you, even four years later, there are still t- triggers that I get, you know, 25 years later on, right. on the first one. And it's, for me, it's, it's understanding that those triggers are going to exist and planning ahead of time. Like last week was my husband's 59th birthday on Monday, actually. Right. So I I planned what I wanted to how I wanted that day to feel, mm-hmm. so that I didn't get myself into uh, an emotional funk. Right. Um, and most of the time, most of the time, I'm successful at doing doing that. It's um, yeah. But you know what? And even if I'm not successful and I start bawling, it doesn't matter.
0: Right. There are those times when things like a smell or. A, you know, a scenario pops up and it, it's going to surprise you, and you can't control it because you can't yeah. plan ahead of time for it.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and I want to point out for me, and I suspect it's the same for other people, though we might not think of it from this angle. Triggers can be not just something that reduces you to tears or sadness. I can, and this is going to even make Stephanie laugh because she knew Tom quite well. I can see a bottle of hot sauce. And immediately smile or laugh if I happen to go, if I'm traveling and I happen to go in a gift shop, sometimes you see an entire wall of assorted hot sauces. And I know for a fact that if Tom were with me, he would have been buying one bottle of each hot sauce that was on that wall. (laughs) That That was his passion in life. So sometimes a trigger can bring back a pleasant memory as well. And oh, I, okay. I long for those days and those experiences that I find those triggers, as opposed to the ones like Veterans Day that will reduce me to tears. You know,
2: I kind of think of those triggers as um as signs. You know, right. uh, it, the 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 so- a song that we we loved on the radio.
1: Right.
2: Um, when you're thinking about somebody, and and then you see the cardinal, or you see a hummingbird, or you see exactly. something that's symbol. Symbolizes yeah. who they are. Those kinds of things are really comforting to me, right. um, and I, I find those yeah very comforting. Comforting. I so.
1: I, yeah. I agree, and you know they usually will bring back a memory or a pleasant yeah. thought, and so I I really enjoy the days that those are my triggers as opposed yeah. to the other ones. Now, you actually you you have a book, Life Losses. Now, you started writing the book, as I understand it, after the loss of your first husband. Yeah. What happened that you didn't finish it?
2: (laughs) Well, I did. I did finish it. It was, um, but it, it didn't feel comfortable to me to share the story because it didn't feel complete. Um, What, what it was, what I started writing in 97 was basically my journal from, uh, from the the point that he died in 95 uh, for, for a couple of years before I finally realized that what I was doing was not making sense and I was not getting better. but it was I would I would share part of my journal entries and I'd give my thoughts about what I was thinking about at the time that I wrote it. And it just didn't make it didn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, And I think it took the second loss to actually put it all in perspective because I, I gained some knowledge after the first one that helped me to get through the second one. And I needed the second one to make me help me to understand the first one. okay. And to become, be grateful for that opportunity that I had in the first one so that I had those lessons by the time the second one came around. So I, I, I got to a point where I was actually grateful for both of those experiences because they were so interconnected
1: yeah. and
2: yet they were so far apart in, in chronology right. that it, it just helped me to understand a, a little bit more about what was, what I was going through and what I had gone through. Right. Um, and so. After, after that perspective and it finally dawned on me that, that I had this, this story it was, cause it's relatively unique to have, you know, uh, more than one spouse mm-hmm. die. I thought it was a story worth telling, especially with that perspective of, of having the second one to reference to the first one and, and having that kind of closure, uh, if you will, for, for both. But it took me again, You know, seven years after the second one to finalize the fact that I got to that point to tell that story.
1: Right. I, you know, I heard something very special in your words as you were talking just then. And I guess I'll try to put it as best I can in my own writerly type words. But you mentioned being almost grateful to have had that experience. That frame of mind is very unusual in grief that you can reach a point that you can find something in that experience and for you, two experiences to be grateful for about a lesson that you learned or a way you grew personally and then can transfer that experience, that feeling from yourself into words that you are then offering publicly to everyone else to help them in their grief. So I just want you to know, whether you intended that or not that's what i heard and i think that is incredible
2: well you you wouldn't necessarily put grieving and grateful together no, in, in no. a sentence but that is what what actually happened is that i as i was writing the story it just became because i had to go back to that place of the first one i had to get back into that depth of the grief right, and, right. and 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 in each of them and then as i was telling the story i realized the similarities and and that the lessons i had learned from the first one and how right. i could apply that to the second one and so it just became very clear to me that i needed both of these mm-hmm. as lessons in life to be able to tell the story and i became grateful for, for that right. fact and you know not that i i, I certainly don't wish that on anybody no, right. um and and i certainly wouldn't want to go through it again it clicked to me that I was grieving gratefully. Um, yeah. I actually have, have a, a blog post about that. And, and um, yeah. I did a guest article for, for a, a grappling with grief website uh, about that topic as well. And it's, yeah. it's not something that people would expect those two words to go together.
1: Right. No, but if you reach a point that you put them together to me, that's, that's a milestone. Mm-hmm. It, it really is. so, I also understand now this book is I have not read this book. I make it a point to always read a book of someone who is a guest on our show and I my own life has been immensely blessed by reading these words. I've written a book it's not about a loss in my life or about grief in any way. I don't know that I'm strong enough to do that. I you know well I probably could but it wouldn't be pretty. It wouldn't the process wouldn't be pretty. I'll tell you that. Um <laughs> especially based on my emotions today but at any rate now i also understand you're working on a second book tell us a little bit about that
2: um so the second book uh, right now is tentatively titled stories and strategies to help heal and it, it's less about uh it's less memoir mm-hmm. because the the other one was really basically about my life and these two men who uh who helped shape it and this is more about uh, just some different strategies that I've learned over the years, um, dealing with triggers, for example, you know, there, there's tons of, uh, I've written tons about triggers and how I I work through that. And, and, um, so it's, it's more, uh, uh, stories about how I I managed to get through certain things that have happened. You know, uh, you know, I I wish I had known certain things when I was, when we were first diagnosed, for example, uh, the cancer and, and how that progressed into, I wish I'd known that the family would disappear after the death because yeah. there was nothing, you know, Yeah, things like that, that I think are helpful. I hope are helpful. <laughs> Let me put it that way. Um, so that, that's hopefully coming out in the next couple of weeks. I'm still pending oh. the, the cover itself, but.
0: Yeah. I was wondering, James, if you would be comfortable sharing with us some of the things that you found worked um while trying to cope with your grief and then some of the things that you found especially since you had two instances that didn't
2: a great example of of what uh, the two different experiences I had the first time i wanted nothing to do with anybody i pushed everybody away i would not allow anybody to help me i would not even entertain the thought that somebody else could could possibly be grieving his death along with me right the second time i had uh, by that point i had learned His friends are grieving too. Um, They lost somebody that they cared about and they want to help. So I didn't push people away this time. I allowed them to help the community set up a a meal system where they would have a a cooler on our front porch Mm -hmm. and they would uh, sign up for who would deliver dinner on any particular night. I don't believe I cooked for three months um, because we had people bringing us food all that time. And it was it was less about them it was less about me and, and our grief and what we were doing, but it was it was allowing them to to help so that they could process on right. their side too right and, and so I think that was a, a great example of what did and didn't work mm-hmm. in in my particular journeys. I got to a point where I you know having having somebody help with uh, the list of things for the funeral director. Um, or the list of things that we need to get, the documents, instead of having everything on my shoulders, all of the
0: minutiae
2: was very, it was helpful, it was freeing. It allowed me to to focus on where my focus needed to be, which was on my kids. Mm -hmm. So I I gladly accepted help the second time, and I I would not have done that the first time. So I I think that's a good example. Mm
1: -hmm. It That takes to allow other people into your life at that time that you are so overwhelmed with everything, it, it takes a special person as well. Mm-hmm. And it's not so much about you recognizing that, you know, they're grieving too. You're, you're really not even thinking about that so much as the fact that you just want to be alone. You you, you don't want to share anything with anybody because you yeah. just want that wall of protection. But to open yourself up and do that, I think probably allowed them to feel better as well. I, I know many times I've thought, "Oh, what can I do for you know, this friend of mine or this relative of mine and I'm always at a loss to think of anything I can do to help them." So to be able to have something like that is good.
2: Yeah, even just dropping off a meal is is helpful. I mean, that's mm-hmm, one true. less thing to worry about. It it, uh, it was really I had I I used to travel a lot for work. I was I was gone every week. So and we had just moved to this community a few years prior. So I really didn't know anybody. Um, but he was a fixture in the school community, um, ran for the school committee, was just totally involved in, in, in the community. And when we had his service, it was standing room only. I didn't know 90% of the people who were there, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. And they, the, this community stepped up and, and, and helped us, which was really heartwarming.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. How old were your children, um, at this point and, how did you see them grieving, or how did you see their grief impacting their lives?
2: Uh, they were 10 and 11 at the time. Okay. My son was 10. My daughter was 11. They had a hard time at first. I think we all did. Uh, and, and my son had some, some issues at school with um, being able to express those emotions and that loss. Uh, and Fridays were always a trigger for them because he passed away on a Friday and they were in okay. school. Mm-hmm. And so there were many Fridays I would go and pick them up because they couldn't emotionally cope. At, at one point, my daughter, you know, we, we used to go to uh, a family week in, in Provincetown once a year. And so she said, are we still allowed to go? Because daddy Baba died. Yeah. Um, and so I had to remind her, you know, we are already an alternative family, but sure. that there are alternate families out there. You know, there are. Sure. You know, single, single mom, single dads, uncles yeah. and aunts and grandparents raising children that yeah. yes, we were still family and we, we could still participate, things like that. So that kind of thing helped, um, I think helped them to process the grief and then just letting them know that, you know, it's okay to cry and what seeing me cry right. at times, seeing me get angry. You know, how dare you leave me with these two children? Right, um, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, It was,
2: you know, and and that's in the in the politest of terms. That's oh, <laughs> no, angry, angry is not very polite for me sometimes. But yeah, that was so. It, they saw how how it was okay to communicate, and so I encouraged yeah. them to 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 share their thoughts with me um, and their beliefs. And and you know, sometimes they got angry with me because yeah, you know, I didn't let them see see the body. Oh, okay want that to be the last image they saw right they remembered of him you know i didn't do xyz or i didn't cook as as well as someone so and so yeah and and i just i let it let them express their emotions because i think that's really important to to make sure that you can express your emotions freely
1: right right exactly Mm -hmm. exactly now you mentioned a list on your website you have I just, gosh, just happen to have a copy, 13 pieces of advice while grieving. How did this start? How did you come up with this
2: list and why? Um, well, I was, as I was writing the book, I, I got to a point where I wanted to kind of bullet point some, some advice. Um, and these were things that came to my mind as I was writing and it just came out to 13 that probably could have you know, consolidated a few of them and to and made it a smaller list of an even dozen. But I think Baker's dozen is kind of interesting Mm -hmm. because who has a Baker's dozen anymore? (laughs) Does anybody know what a Baker's dozen is anymore?
1: (laughs) Even the Baker's don't have a Baker's dozen.
2: (laughs) So, um, I, I, and I had gotten to the point where I really, I, I trust my subconscious enough that it will tell me what I need when I need it.
1: Right.
2: Um, and so as I was writing these things, I stopped at 13. I, I then have gone back and I've, I've expanded on those. I've told stories about those. Um, I have a workbook based on those, those 13 things that uh, the blog entries and, and we did some videos to discuss that with, with some of the readers. So um, it's just more of my, my thought process to, to, for self-care and right. these things that you need to be aware of, like right. the fact that it doesn't go away and that it's always going to be there. And once you know that it's always going to be there, you can free yourself to say, "Oh, well, I know it's going to be there, so I can—I exactly. I don't have to worry about getting past it because we don't yeah. get past. It you don't get
1: or past moving it. on.
2: No. We, we can move forward. We can't move on. So yeah. it's those kinds of things that I think are empowering to understand the, these pieces of advice to to allow you to take some control over how you're going to grieve.
1: Right, right. And and for me, some of those are parts of that acceptance word that, you know, is is known as one of, one of those stages of grieving. And once it came to me, and it wasn't until actually we were doing the podcast that it finally came to me that I'm going to grieve for the rest of my life, that that grief is going to change from day to day and everything. But once you realize that, gosh, I mean, there was that acceptance. And I, I lost both parents years ago decades ago really for my father but that acceptance never came to me so and you mentioned there's no timeline and you mentioned uh that you know you're going to progress and you're going to regress and all those things that are very very it's almost common sense of grieving but it was nice to see them in your list because uh i think for a lot of people that have a new loss or are early in their process of grief, or maybe just haven't been able to progress in grief, to have a, a concise list such as that, that they can kind of read through, even read and reread and reread, mm-hmm. can't be anything but helpful for them. Right. So uh, I enjoyed seeing that list. I really did. And you make that freely available. And in a little bit, we're going to tell people how they can get their own list of your 13 pieces of advice. So what's next for James? Where are you in your journey, in your group? Oh journey? my
2: goodness. I am I am doing the best I can to live the best life that I can. I have um pursuing an old dream of um of acting again.
1: I saw that on your website.
2: I have uh, acquired I've been cast in a number of roles. So Great. apparently I still have some skills. <laughs> sure. Yeah, my, my kids are getting older, they don't need me around as much anymore. I have. I actually, this past summer, promised another person that, that interviewed me that I would create a dating profile. So I did that. No dates yet. It's been months. But be I'm also keeping myself very busy, so it, it kind of negates uh, having to do that. But uh-huh. yeah, what's next? I'm just pushing forward. I'm I'm trying to, to keep keep more content out there. I'm trying to help as many people as I can. I know that that you know the the reach is very limited. Um, and there's so many people that, that are grieving, mm-hmm. uh, especially now with, with the, the number of deaths from, from COVID oh, uh, alone. A- and all the other uh, things that, that are taking people away. I'm just hoping to, to be able to help as many people as I can and hoping that the, you know, my words are at least inspirational enough that they inspire individuals for their own healing journey.
1: Mm-hmm. Right.
2: What always worked for me isn't it going to work for everybody. I understand that, but I'm hoping that, that people are able to take some inspiration from what I did do to see how they can adapt that into their own lives. Right.
1: Right. And I think sometimes just learning, reading, or hearing about another's journey can give someone that sense of, oh, well, I guess I am okay. Right. I, I guess I'm not abnormal. Right. Or what I'm going through is not. Out of the ordinary. And somebody said to me uh, several podcasts ago that it's so interesting when you think back generations and generations and generations that we always used to know who was grieving in our community because their homes would be decorated with a bunting type material. They would show that that household was in mourning. And certainly the calling hours were at their home in their own living rooms and their own parlors and everything yet here we are in a generation now where death dying and grief is something that is hush hush as opposed to sex which is out there for everybody to talk about so when you think of the contrast generations ago we like you just kind of want to be a part of making everybody understand that you can talk about your grief that you can mm-hmm. talk about what you're going through the difficulties, the struggles, and the successes you might've had. We kinda wanna bring that back to the forefront and make people feel supported in their own journey. It's okay to be behind your closed doors and be as secretive as you want, but remember to take care of yourself. Self-care is very important in all of those. So the things you're doing, James, are one step in that whole process. And we're very, very pleased to have you join us today To also let people know that here's yet another person who has gone through this, who talks about it freely, who talks about the struggles, who talks about maybe some of those things that help him, that might help you, and at the very least, talk about it. Let others in. Find your support network because that way you can go on. You won't get over it. You might get through the worst of it but then you can kind of learn to adapt and keep putting one foot in front of the other.
2: Very well said.
1: Before we wrap up for the afternoon, I want to offer you James a chance without my questions. Stephanie's been pretty quiet. Hmm. She's had the better voice. I shouldn't let her talk, <laughs> but, but without us interrupting you or directing you with questions, this is your chance to tell our listeners. And we do have an international audience. I want to add. So this is your chance to offer them information on how to reach you, how to find you. Again, the name of your book, the name of your upcoming book, and anything you want to let our listeners know about James Levesque.
2: All right. Well, um, basically the jameslevesque.com. You can reach me there. It's uh, JamesLaveck.com or uh, lifeafterlosses.com. That's the name of the book, Life After Losses, uh, a memoir of love, loss, and life. On the Life After Losses page it'll uh you can direct to to information about me about the uh, initial book the upcoming book which is going to be tentatively titled right now strategy our stories and strategies to help you heal there's a link to the blog from there there's a link to uh the workbook that's based on these 13 pieces of advice there is um if you sign up on the website as a as a subscriber i'll send you a link to the 13 pieces of advice that you can get for free without having to read the book but of course, the book is available on my website for autographed copies, and then you can get. There are links on the website to Amazon or Barnes and Noble or wherever you like to get your books. They're there as well. So that's it in a nutshell. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, super. And within within a few weeks, hopefully, you'll have some announcement about your new book coming out.
2: I will, yes. Yeah. So, Anybody who subscribes will also get notifications. Exactly. Happening. That was my and point. So if you
1: want to know about his upcoming book, make sure you subscribe. Now, you also have a Facebook page.
2: I do. It's uh, Life After Losses.
1: Right. I just liked that this morning. So you'll probably see me poking around down there. And I just want to let people know, too, that I'm going to make a little prediction here. Now, we heard this morning that James has an interest in acting. We already know he's written one book. It got a second book about to come out. So I'm going to predict that maybe at some point in the future that there may very well be a play.
2: Uh, I don't know about the, the the script writing piece. I I tried my hand at that years ago, and, and I'm not sure I have the skills necessary to do but that.
1: But you can write the story and get somebody to help you with the script.
2: I could definitely do that.
1: There you go. And you could have your own starring role, of course. <laughs>
2: I would get to play me as
1: younger. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. My my point, maybe you could do it, you know, thinking in retrospect through flashback. But any at any rate, my point is, if you want to know what's going on in James' life and what he's up to, the best way to do that is go to his website and subscribe. Like all our guests, we will have information on how to contact James posted in the episode notes of our podcast that's available on all the podcast applications. And it'll also be on our website as well. If for some reason you just can't find your way to James and you want to reach him, you just let us know and we'll put you in touch with him as well. All that being said, everyone, it's time for us all to wrap up. It's time for me to go do some self-care with myself. <laughs> Maybe some honey and tea for my throat. <laughs> but we do hope that everyone will look around them Look for people that might just need a little bit of support, maybe a little hug or a word of encouragement. One of the best things you can do for someone who's grieving is share with them a memory that you have of the person they lost. Because for as long as we utter their name, they'll never die. All that said and done. Please join us again next week as we all continue to live in grief.
0: Thank you so much for listening with us today. Do you have a topic that you'd like us to cover or do you have a question from one of our episodes? Please email us at info at com and let us know. We hope you will find a moment to leave a review, send an email, and share with others. Join us next time as we continue to live and grieve together.